Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark, chapter 3, beginning to read on verse 20. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an internal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother, is my brother, sorry, and sister and mother. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, I'm hoping to do a little expository teaching on our Bible reading today from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 to 35. A lot of issues are highlighted in these few verses, and most of them were words spoken by Jesus directly. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles handy as we begin to go through these scriptures. I am hoping that we can explore three major things about this passage. Number one, the attitude of the Pharisees. Then number two, the attitude of the crowd. And then number three, the response of Jesus. Let's begin with the attitude of the Pharisees. 
The first thing we notice in this passage is that Jesus cast a demon out of a man who was both blind and deaf. A very sad condition. Is not this the son of David? But the Pharisees had a different opinion and attitude. It was to be expected that the Pharisees would be informed about what had happened. And their reaction was predictable because they were jealous of the Lord. They declared to the people that Jesus had done this miracle by the power of Satan. By this accusation, they brought upon themselves the judgment of God. Jesus answered the accusation and in the process showed them how absurd their thinking was. Satan would not destroy his own kingdom. If it was not true, the power of Satan, it was by the finger of God. And the kingdom of God was among them in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like you to notice that the Pharisees admitted that the demon were cast out. There was never any attempt by the religious leaders to deny that the miracles happened. How could they? They saw it with their own eyes. It was real, not fake. You know, this is very much like our world today, isn't it? So many people, especially those in leadership, know that God is real. And they know that Jesus came to save. But for one selfish interest or the other, they chose to find a way to downplay the power of God. They urge people to turn to politics, hospitals, or one specialist or the other, instead of crying out to God, who is the ultimate source of help. This was exactly what the Pharisees were up to. They wanted to downplay the power of God and discourage people from believing and trusting God. Now let us see how Jesus responded to their accusation. He stated that Satan is so subtle that he will never voluntarily quit his position. If Satan casts out Satan, his kingdom is divided against itself and cannot stand. The truth is that the presence of Jesus put everything to the test because God has centered everything in him. Those that would not be with Jesus would be counted against him. It's either you are in or you are out. Everything now depended upon him alone. He would bear all their unbelief in his own person. 
because grace will remove it. He could pardon all sin, but speaking against and blaspheming the Holy Spirit could not be pardoned. So what does blasphemy here mean? It means to acknowledge the exercise of power that is from God and to attribute it to Satan. Hence, giving credit to Satan for what God has clearly done. The Pharisees admitted that the devil was cast out, but with malice and hatred for God, they attributed it to Satan. Their fate had been decided. Jesus wanted them to understand that the fruit of a tree was a proof of his nature and their fruit was essentially bad. Their words condemned them. They went further by asking Jesus for a sign. This was pure wickedness because they had been given enough signs. They only wanted to stir up the unbelief in the rest of the people. It is clear that Jesus wanted to enter into the strong man's house to take possessions of all his interest in the world and to convert them into his own service. Therefore, he must bind the strong man and forbid him to speak and control him. So Christ gave them an awful warning not to speak such dangerous words because it would be a sin against their only remedy and is unpardonable. How could they come to repentance for their sin of blaspheming Christ? It is true that the gospel promised that Christ had purchased pardon for the greatest sins and sinners. But how could these men set aside such strong convictions? Their sin would eternally separate them from God. Anything in religion that is not connected to Christ amounts to nothing. He said those who try to place Christ and Satan together were against him and will not be with him in the future. Now let us look at the attitude of the crowd. That is his family, his friends or associates. If you go back to verse 20 and 21, you will notice that Mark gives us some information that Matthew did not. We are told that the crowd gathered around Jesus and pressed on upon him. So there was not room enough to eat. Despite the inconvenience and hardship caused to him, he was kind towards them and welcomed them and gave them the attention they were seeking. 
So what does this mean? And how does it apply to us today as Christians? The crowd pressing on Jesus here shows us hunger and thirst for his righteousness. This crowd had a good attitude towards learning. They were keen to be with Jesus. They were zealous hearers. And they meet Jesus, who is a zealous preacher. He wouldn't mind missing a meal instead of missing an opportunity to minister to the needs of others or to teach them about God's kingdom. The question for us here this morning is, are we zealous hearers? Are we hungry for God's work? Are we ready to press on until we get to know Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior? Remember the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. She pressed through the crowd until she touched Jesus and got answers for her prayers. Another twist to this story is that we are told that when his family and friends heard about the huge crowd and how hard Jesus worked to minister to them, they came to get him to take him home because they said he is beside himself. I don't know what your translation says there, but here it says he is beside himself. In other words, they thought he was in need of rest. Or he may lose control of his faculties. At this time, we know that even his family did not believe in him. Because John chapter 7 verse 5 says, For even his brothers did not believe in him. Jesus did not return to Capernaum with his friends and family. But he continued his work that leads us back to the accusation made by the religious leaders in verse 22 and 23. This is a great lesson for us because several people seek to distract us from God. You will think that Jesus' family will be excited, isn't it? Or supportive when they heard he was drawing huge crowds. Rather, they are thinking he has lost his mind. Family may put pressure on us to focus on other things rather than God. Friends may say, why waste your time in church? Are you the only Jesus' follower? You need a break. Like our master, we must gently refuse to be distracted, knowing that each of us, one by one, we face judgment and we cannot put blame on others for distracting us because we can make the choice for ourselves. And finally, 
Let us see the response of Jesus in verse 31 to 35, which says that Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. We see here that salvation is not about family relationship. Rather, it is about knowing Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. Internal life is knowing Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 3, Now this is internal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Apostle Paul was one of the most religious guys in history. But he was lost without Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, he starts this chapter by quoting his religious pedigree. He wrote that he was born a Jew, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He meticulously kept the letter of the entire law. He was so zealous he arrested and persecuted Christians who were considered a threat to Judaism. But then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he discovered that his religion was worthless. And he says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 and 10, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Paul said that compared to knowing Jesus, everything else in life is rubbish. Knowing Jesus is not the same thing as knowing facts about Jesus. You can read history and theology, and teach about it. But without an encounter with Jesus, is counted rubbish. The family wanted to take Jesus back home to Nazareth and avoid any public embarrassment. When they told Jesus his mother and brothers were outside, Jesus asked a question and answered it with a statement. He asked, who are my mother and brothers? Then Jesus looked around the group and said, This is my family.
Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Jesus was not rejecting his earthly family. He was just saying that a spiritual connection here in this passage is stronger than any biological connection. Maybe you have heard the phrase that says, blood is thicker than water. It is usually implies that family ties are stronger than the friendship bonds. But let me change it to say that Jesus' blood is thicker than family blood. In other words, Jesus is teaching us that the most important family in the world today is the family of God, the church. People are born into earthly family. They live and die. But the church, which is the family of God, stands sure from generation to generation. Hallelujah. And I want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters, this morning to stick to God's word and be ready for his return. Jesus is coming back again. And we all need to be ready to meet Jesus. He's coming. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to invite you to open your heart to him. Allow Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're joining us online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, tomorrow might be too late. Now is the time to come back to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Are you ready to follow Jesus? Are you ready to walk with him? He's here this morning. He's here and he's knocking. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you will let me in, I will come. Not just to come in but to come and sit with you and eat with you. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And if you don't know him, will you open your heart for him? Let him come and be your Lord and your Savior. Let us pray. For those who don't know Jesus, will you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. From today onwards, I want to follow you. 
I want to serve you till I see you face to face. Amen. And Father, we thank you for your word again. The Bible says that the entrance of your word brings life. Lord, help us to be the doers of your word and not only the hearers. As we continue this heavenly race, may we run this race to see you face to face. May we run this race to win the prize. To make heaven, Lord, to see you. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.